The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. No one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you shall eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds in the sky. They do not sow or reap. They gather nothing into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are not you more important than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single moment to your lifespan? Why are you anxious about clothes? Learn from the way the wildflowers grow. They do not work or spin, but I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was clothed like one of them. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which grows today and is thrown into the oven tomorrow, will he not much more provide for you, O oh, you of little faith? So do not worry and say, What are we to eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what are we to wear? All these things the pagans seek. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be given you besides. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Sufficient for a day is its own evil. This is Radio Wave Medjinomics with your host, a friend of Medjugorje. I want to begin by asking a friend of Medjugorje a question. We get a lot of calls here from people who call seeking direction about a lot of different things that might happen in their life. And just listening to the verse just now, trying to apply this to the life that we live today, we live a very complicated life. News comes to us very quickly. Information comes to us very fast. And these things are constantly coming and we're having to try to filter things that come to us on a regular basis. And this is true for every person out there, but people often call with things that are very heavy upon their heart. And just the other day, we had a, one of our supporters had called and was very frustrated about some situations that were going on in their diocese, some things with the bishop, some things with some other organizations, and had this very elaborate story about uh, things that were going on with the bishop, with some devil worshipers, with some other things. And just speaking to this individual, you've always told us that you always have to go back to the core of the situation. So the first question we asked this individual was, are you 100% sure that everything you're saying is true? 
And their answer was, but everybody knows it. Everybody knows this. Okay, that's fine. Everybody knows this. But are you 100% sure that everything that you're saying is true? Well, no. Okay. Secondly, what has this affected your life? You're frustrated with this. You're consumed by it. And how is this affecting or how is this making a difference to what Our Lady is calling you to do? And so we know that there are people out there in a lot of different scenarios, a lot of different situations. And we know that we can't obviously speak to every person on the telephone. We obviously can't answer every single letter that comes in. But we know that there are people out there who are completely caught up in a lot of different things that are going on. And knowing that things come to us so fast and so quickly, how do people begin to discern or how do, how can they look at these things and know what are the important battles to fight and what are the battles that are not important to fight? Well, I'd like to start off to answer that question, qualifying that I have called for to call on the bishops and their power to gather us in the streets. That said, if they don't, what's my disposition? Because they're not doing that. And there is a problem with that. It's a great problem. They sit on immense power. They're among the most powerful people in the world. They have that kind of influence. More than Congress, more than the U.S. Supreme Court, more than the president. Yes, the president can order out planes to go to Syria, but that doesn't change their hearts. And they, they give in to the pressure of who goes out onto the streets or what they think. In the end, they'll defy you because our politicians defy a lot of what our wishes are. So I'm not saying that we don't do that, but at the same time, what you can't change, you can't change. What can you do? Actually, the Bible relays that. How do we deal with stuff like that? And the prophet of Micah, I was reading, actually, had read this. It shows, basically, God saying, he showed you, O man, what is good. And it relayed that, what does the Lord require of you? You just got to do justice, it said, and love and kindness. And you walk humbly before God. That's what I've said before. There's three things required of you. Be sincere, humble, and be obedient. That's the ingredients to correct everything. You've got to get yourself in your own heart. And Our Lady's focus is just that. And there's a message out there where Our Lady says, don't waste time on these kinds of things. Because you can expend your energy of changing things in a different direction. That's what she's showing us. In fact, be looking that up. I'll, I'll read that message. And so this message where Our Lady speaks about this shows real clearly what she's told us many times. Don't be afraid. Change yourself and the world by spreading love. That's what the Bible verse was saying. Be kind, love, and do everything in justice. That's the correction. Once you get that principle, then you can understand you can change everything. That message is January 2nd, 2017. My children, do not waste time posing questions to which you never receive an answer. At the end of your journey on earth, the Heavenly Father will give them to you. I always know that God knows everything. So people are doing wrong. God knows that. How do we correct it? Me, myself, and I. That's where I start. You can say, I've heard this program for years. I've heard friend of Mr. saying that. But sometimes we need to be reminded of ourselves to think that how to change things is change, changing the world. We, we change ourselves. Well, let me just jump in for one second because one thing that we did tell this individual was that 
yes, there are times that you have heard a friend of Mexico say, do this, write this letter, do these things. But for many years, he was silent and he built the system. They have their own system. You've said that already before on this broadcast and you've said it for years. They have their own system that is managed. And Our Lady called you to create your own system. And for many years, you weren't involved in a lot of things that that today it sounds people who, who might be new to Caritas or people who might be new to this broadcast are hearing a lot of action items that you're giving without the understanding that for many years you didn't involve yourself in any of these things, but you built. You built the system that Our Lady was calling you to build. and Based, it, on, based on my conversion. Right. And the result was Caritas. Because I had a brick wall on something. I said, they, they're not listening to me. I had nothing in the Word. My words didn't have anything behind it. And so the word's everything. The word's the beginning and the end. And once you adopt the word and you put it in there and you live it, then you get power in your word. I've changed worldwide corporations, not once, not twice, many times by a simple letter. Because the way I phrased it, what I said, and what I put it, and who I got it to, and how I got it to them, changed things. We've done letter campaigns. I've led people like the Alabama Supreme Court and different things like that. We changed something last year. Dramatically, one thing I put together. And I felt it eight months before it was coming. I won't give the details, but it radically changed something with huge repercussions. And I still won't speak about it today because I don't want to be at liberty for a lot of reasons. But my word is powerful because I changed myself. There's, there's, there's power in that. You get that power from that. That's what the Bible says. He shows you. And how do you get it? Through justice and love and kindness. You know what I told you before, sincere, humble, and obedience. you got power at that point because grace is attached to what you did. And so you're going to have things out there. Everything Jesus did and everything God's done is a script. The Bible is a script of something physically that happened. It's not logical for Jesus to pick 12 apostles and have unity with them, and they all love everybody, and they love each other, and everything's perfect. The script is riddled with difficulties with these 12. And it's totally without logic on the way the world sings its song, that if Jesus Christ was coming to establish something, and he's God, and he knows one of those guys is going to betray him, he's going to do bad things, he's going to be a bad witness, he's going to do all these things wrong, and yet Jesus picked them. Because that's part of the script. You can't say, like Time Magazine said, well, Jesus was had his best friend, Judas, because they, they played this thing together because he needed Judas. No, he didn't need Judas. You needed Judas. You need to see when you're Judas. I need to see when I'm Judas. We all need to see that, that when we have something and we start our own system, that we've got some Judases in there. And how did Jesus deal with them? With kindness and love. And he was patient. In the end, he undid himself, Judas did. So that's what the message is. My children, do not waste time posing questions to which you never receive an answer. At the end of your journey, and that journey doesn't mean that necessarily just with death, and all is primarily important to that, but at the end of the journey of, your, of Jesus' establishment of his church, that was purified out. But that didn't when the end of the journey in, in life. So the end of the journey can be that story or that script that was written 
or at the end of your life. You're going to know everything. So those are things you don't get solutions to, you get. We just had a real friend, a family of the mission, whose daughter just died, and it's contained some beautiful things with it, just married and only a couple of years, and then gets sick and, and dies. And they was praying for healings, which is natural. You do that. And I told the father yesterday that your prayers were answered. She's healed. And we know we, we can say, yeah, she's in heaven, just this and that. But we pray for healing, and you got healing. The end of your journey, you're always going to have all the answers. Sometimes it doesn't even come in the, the way we might think. But there were thousands of people praying for her healing, and she is healed. Our prayers are answered. It's just the time when we don't know what's going to happen. And everything's a lesson. Everything's going to be beautiful or it can be negative. It's always painful. To walk with God's painful. And so we have these beautiful things happening, filled with sorrow. At the same time, you're better off in many ways. So God's writing a script of your life. You see these things come and go. You have all kinds of things happening in the world today. And as, as you were just talking about telling this, this one of our supporters, you can't get tied up in that because everything is a script. We're supposed to have those negative things. How do we deal with it? We've seen things here working perfectly based on the message. There is a, there is a monkey wrench dropped in the gears and breaks some teeth. Everything going perfect. And we think, well, God's given us work to do and we're doing it. And why is he causing us problems with it? Because the message has said that. God wants to test you through your daily chores. It's to see how your disposition comes through that in patience and love and kindness and accept it. I can deal with things much better now through the messages and patience than I couldn't do 20, 30 years ago, not understanding the messages because the Bible was applying to the modern things that we had now. And so there's a lot of lessons in this. What has it got to do with economics and everything we're doing and what economics is about? Everything. We look at everything we think, okay, we've got to do this and have a lot of wealth. We've got to have a lot of wealth to be wealthy. You don't have to have a lot of money to be wealthy. You can be just as wealthy as anybody else or somebody's a billionaire. I heard a guy on the way this morning crossing the street say he's done hundreds of leadership conferences and he always asks the women out there, he says, do you want to be married to a weak man? He said, As, through all these years, not one single woman has raised her hands. And yet, we have in the society, everything's about the woman. The woman going to college, the woman making equal pay with man. It wasn't set up that way. It shouldn't be that way. And now you've got more women going to college than men. And I've seen recently that percentage of, of people living at home, uh, especially the, the guys, is 18 to 34 years of age. They're living at home. Why is that? Now, in past times, maybe that's not a bad thing, or immigrants where they have to do that, you do that, and, and literally they've done this to get ahead. But they're not working. And a lot of it's manliness. The masculine is removed from society are neutered. And that's the word you got to use for it. Because we got to think, okay, equality, equality. No, it's equality before God, soul to soul, no matter if it's a man or a woman. You have equality. You do not have equality 
in the environment and the physical demands of what's masculine and what's feminine. And we've got a culture, feminizing the culture, driven by that, by Satan, to put everything on an equal level using the Declaration of Independence. All people are created equal. They are not all created equal. They're created in different cultures, some of which are degraded, some of which are savages, some of which are very sophisticated. And your environment doesn't play a part on that. And your race plays a part on that. Everybody's scared to speak about that. We're trying to say all races are equal. It's not the case. Different. The Jews are very good at banking. You can say that's a traditional thing or that's a cultural thing. Still, that race from that culture is affected by it. They've gone generations and centuries because they've done that. But they're hardship and they're tough people. The Egyptians, when they enslaved the Jewish women, they says, we can't stop them. Before the nursemaids get to the babies, they're already born and they're tough and all of them live. But the Egyptians were frail. They became a race that was too comfortable. We want our kids here in the community to be raised tough. I like to see them walk from one house to the next. I like to come up and see them dragging a garbage bag, barely carrying it, all the way from their houses to the dumpster. That's good for them. Can they just as easily throw it in a pickup truck and do it? Yes, they can. What do we prefer? I'd rather them do that. I remember as a kid being told to go to Lusco's Grocery. Mr. Lusco had a little grocery store, little meat market, the whole little thing, Italian place in the middle of Anglo-Saxon area. His place was isolated once you got to it. You had a long walk through the fields next to the highway. And he grew his his, his vegetables. He had a black guy who plowed with a, a, a mule. And I hated going over there when I first started going there because I'd have to get a whole sack of groceries. And I wasn't but seven, eight years old and carrying that. My arms were breaking by the time I got back home. But after a while, my meditations and thinking and imagining all kinds of things got away from the work and the duty of it. And it just was naturally what I did. Our kids in the community, if they've got to work late at night, and they're only in the fifth, fourth grade, or third grade, or fifth grade, and they're helping. Well, actually, this just happened a few nights ago. We had three tractor trailer rigs had to go out of, out of town. We had to load up equipment. We had to put it all together. We had to check the air, air in the tires. And that's several hours worth of work, just getting things prepped for a crew of guys going out. We had something, a piece of equipment that was basically given to us free. So it's going to involve equipment and and torches and getting everything settled. And some of the young kids are out there working. And they worked till 9, 30, 10 o'clock at night, and they didn't have supper. They didn't even eat. Isn't that bad? I like the kids to do that. I was raised that way. I was raised where we didn't have money sometimes, and all we had at supper was grits. And there was nothing added to that, just a bowl of grits. And I remember my dad always saying the story of the three bears because he was, I think, now embarrassed because that's all he had to give us that night. But you know what? We was never told, oh, this is bad. You're getting grits. I'm sorry. He never apologized for it. It was just what we did. It was our normal. I can fast easier than everybody else because I'm not handicapped. Like, oh, you poor thing. You only had grits to eat. We don't go to our kids. You poor thing. You haven't eaten so far. It's normal here. Our normal is hardship. 
hard work, difficulty. If it had been raining last night, you know what we'd done? We'd work in the rain. So the next morning, I asked Mary. How old is Mary? 11, 12 years old. I asked her, I said, did you have fun last night? I saw going into the chapel for the next morning to do their school lessons. They're doing something with Marissa. I said, did you have fun last night? Because I knew she was one of those up. She says, yeah. I said, what did y'all do? She said, we loaded up the trucks and we did this. And she was talking to me fast. I says, you had fun doing that? She says, yeah. I said, so you liked it? I said, did y'all eat supper? I knew she hadn't. She said, no. I said, did it bother you? She said, no. See, our kids are equipped that when they're 22 years old and somebody asks something beyond what anybody else could ask them, our kids are going to cheerfully be able to do it because they've been raised with adversity. We want them to experience adversity. We want them to lay down the garbage bag because they have to walk two blocks away to the dumpster and it's too heavy to carry to get it to the dumpster. And stop for a second, reposition on the on the the back. And you know, sometimes some, something leaks out of the back and it gets on it's happened to me. And you don't like that. You know what they learn from that? How not to carry it that way or deal with it. Don't protect your children. Don't cushion their life. Or they'll always be running around. I need answers. We need solutions. We need the government taking care of us. I'm gonna stay in the house with my parents for the rest of my life. We've got a messed up mentality. And for one parent to undercut another parent because they're allowing that and say, oh, we're going to put you in the car, we're going to do this, we're going to do that for you. You're hurting your children. You're damaging them. And so we got manliness and fathers not leading and many times not being allowed to institute things they need to lead. Because we want to feminize. We want helicopter moms. We want the moms watching for every little thing the children do or protecting them. I drove by way yesterday, and little Isabella pulled off the, away from, from my truck, stepped off where the cows were, by the barn, by the, near the tabernacle. And yes, we have a barn right next to the tabernacle. This beautiful building, we got that because we want our life connected to the soil. We don't farm. We live the grain-based life. But Isabella, I looked at her face, there was dirt on her face, dirt on her shirt, dirt on her pants, and I just stopped for a minute and smiled how nasty she looked to the world. But I didn't see that, I just saw dirt. And she's just smiling, waving to me. I thought, what a beautiful scene, because I remember as a kid going home dirty like that. We get to play in the dirt. No kids even, they go through the whole day Never in contact with dirt. There's something wrong with that. There's something sick about that. And I tell you, if you had where you had dirt, you'd be always on your kids. Don't come home dirty. Don't do this. Don't, why are you always in the dirt? Put your kids in the dirt. And there'll be kids that can do anything. And we've, we've got people that don't even live here heard about the repetition of our children. You say, I'm bragging. Yes, I am. I'm bragging about a way of something you should be proud of. Be proud of your humility and humble of your pride. Our lady said that. And so you don't have to have a lot of money to be wealthy. Wealth is something you build slow. Wealth is a way of life. If you have everything that everybody else has, you have a roof over your head, you're eating decent, you have all these things happening, but you're short on cash, you're no different than the forefathers. They were land rich and cash poor. It's the land. Everything's the land. That's where you got to get to. 
And then you can grow your crop or your canning or your cow and your things that you can have, not because you're farming, because you're living an agrarian way of life. You may be working a steel mill also. But if all your needs are met and you don't have to have cash to eat, then you're healthier, you're way ahead of everybody else, you're closer to God, you're in what you were commanded to do, and you have consolation in your life. There's something beautiful about pulling out a jar of tomatoes that was canned last year, that you did it with your hands. Something happens to your heart when you do that. If a woman's quit working, quit buying our dress clothes, and start canning and sewing and doing all these things, her kids are going to be healthier. They're going to pass on skills to them. You're going to be wealthier all the way around. Enjoy happiness and material things. Because you'll be able to do things that nobody else will be able to do. We're living the wrong way. And that's what I'm convinced Yvonne's thing, physical changes are going to take place on the earth, is going to put you back agrarian. The problem is you're not going to like it because you didn't build a system when you can build a system. What you can do today in one day may take 10 years to achieve later. That's why we put geothermal systems in. People say, you may never get your money back. We're not interested in getting the money back. We're interested in living cheaply now. If you're going to go to Social Security 10 years from now, why are you waiting for that? Thinking you've got to make it with that and whatever you're putting back to make retirement to, to help you that. When things may be higher priced, then you can put money into something to live cheaper that you could be wealthy on Social Security. And in other words, there's things that you may need to spend on money now that you'll never get the cash back. Everybody's accounting. They're looking at it the wrong way. Well, if I put this $40,000 into a geothermal system in my house instead of just $10,000, I'm never going to get that $30,000 back. No, but what you'll get back is a reduction of your electric bill by 40, 50, 60%. So when the Social Security comes, you're not paying the high electric bill. See, we got a wrong mentality. And that includes instead of just living on a subdivision lot and having your house and your payment and you get the house paid for, and then you go on Social Security with a subsidized income, is not as wealthy as if you got rid of that house and bought 10 acres and have everything already developed and your gardening, your cow, have all that stuff. You have all that developed. And no matter what happens to the economy, you got food because we talked about it before. If your neighbor's got a Van Gogh painting worth $75 million and you got the cow and things crash and things change and we know something's coming, we know it's going to happen, our lady's here for that. And then you go five days after our crash and there's no food. And this guy's looking at his Van Gogh painting. He says, I need to go to my next door neighbor and say, can I have some, can I buy that cow for this Van Gogh painting? $75 million. No, what, what just became $75 million was the cow, not the Van Gogh painting. So the guy next door says, no, I got to feed my kids milk. Well, would you just give me a jar of milk every day? No, I don't have enough for that. I got to make cheeses with it. I'll give you this painting. Don't you know what this is worth? It's worth toilet paper, mister, because that's what it's going to be worth. See, values change very quickly when economic adjustment comes. That's what happened in 1929. What was worth a lot one day was worthless the next day, and what was not worth a lot was very valuable. That's why we the things that we get the most plentiful from, that's really an economical purchase, very good today, is going to be worth a tremendous amount. 
water coming to your house is very, very valuable. And that's why it's very, really cheap. People say water bill is expensive. It is compared to what it's been. But still, it's a cheap commodity that if you don't have that, what it would be worth later after a crash. Our ladies come to put a new hat on us. That hat is sending thoughts into our brain, our mind, to change your mind to how you see things, how you live. And this time of grace, I'm inviting you. This is a moment of grace. She says also, not just don't waste time. She says, don't waste this time of grace. She's relayed this over and over and over. And you start with yourself to make these changes. So you don't have to have money to be wealthy. You can live a way of life that's wealthy and realize that you have to raise your children in an environment that they're not comfortable in. If you took them out, that they're already 12 years old, and put them in, it's going to make them uncomfortable. But if you raise them that way, it's their normal. Our kids are normal in the midst of the work. It's just natural for them. It's natural for them to work through lunch if they have to, or skip breakfast if they have to. What they have to do is not unnormal, and it's not cruel. You're being cruel with your children. By always having them a raincoat, always having this comfort, making sure they have this, making sure that, watching out for them, especially the moms. The dads know this. They don't say it because they're oppressed by the wives. Because I get undercut by the wife. Why do you make them do that? Why do you make them carry the garbage out at 10 o'clock at night in the rain? Because I want them to do that. I think it's good. That's the attitude you should have. And your moms need to submit to the husband in this situation. Because if you don't, you're doing a very wicked, wicked thing. You're teaching your children a wrong lesson. And when you usurp the father in this, you've done eternal damage. It's going to send the kids to perdition. And a lot of kids are that way because they're too soft. And you don't do things purposely hard, but you give them a natural way of life that has hardship in it. Don't. Protect your kids from that. And then your kids will experience wealth. They'll have things that they need in life. And you don't do that, it's to your demise because you'll have them at the house at 30 years of age taking care of them instead of they taking care of you when you get older. They won't have the ability because you cheated them. So this has to do with everything with economics. This is why we designed the miraculous magical around. Because silver is a way to save. You save your savings in metal. And before that, you save it in land. Because land reproduces. The miraculous magical around produces conversion. When it's dispensed, people are brought to conversion through that. So watch and think and look where everybody's going. And why are you following that? Do what all he says. Don't waste time receiving answers. Set your system up. Carrie tells us 100% are rebellion against what was out there because they controlled it. And that's why we're strong here because nobody can control it. Our Lady does. That's why we consecrate this place every day. Mary, through the prayer for the boat of God, asking for her to establish this place as no other place on earth different, and for her to have untold powers to accomplish her plans. 
And God, you give her a hundredfold her intentions for this valley. Good to do that with your life. You're to adopt that. This is the way that she's calling us. So as we begin, you're wasting a lot of times on things that don't matter. You need to be busy and doing it with that money of things that you can do that will make effect on your life and your lineage. We wish you our lady. We love you. Goodbye. The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. This ends the Metronomic Show with a friend of Mechigoria. To order this show on CD, you can contact Caritas in the U.S. at 205-672-2000. Again, 205-672-2000.